You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back, everybody, to the Oz Network as we come back for another third watch exclusive recap. We are moving through the fifth season well as we get on to the 13th episode of the fifth season. This one is called Sleeping Dogs Lie. This first aired on the 6th of February 2004, written by Janine Sherman Barrois and directed by Felix Enriquez Alcala. And, uh, yeah, pretty decent episode, this one. It's uh, not too bad, but mm-hmm. we're going to say um, fa- farewell to a character who uh, doesn't die for once, which is kind of a nice thing to uh, say. Uh, my name is Ben, and you're sitting on liberty! You're sitting on liberty! <laughs> my name's Darvell, and... You already have a wife, and I'm not willing to share you with the job anymore. Oh. And you're right, Ben. It is nice that a it is nice that a character didn't didn't die this time. Although, um, there's a there's a, there are a couple of promos for this episode from when it originally yeah. aired on NBC, and of course, they don't. <laughs> you should you should see how you should see how, how it's advertised. A firefighter you've come to love won't be coming back. So lead you to believe that he's gonna lead you to believe that there's a death. There. I mean, in all fairness to NBC, technically they're right. Um, so they won't be coming back, but I guess not in the way that they're implying. Um, so yeah, I mean, look, it's we didn't really want to go over it much last week uh, in terms of previewing this episode, but um, yeah, like we're we're gonna for the first time say goodbye to a, a character who doesn't die and. Really, two two episodes in the next three weeks, we say farewell to two major characters. Uh, and, mm-hmm. uh, spoiler alert, both of them don't die. So, you know, it's it's kind of done uniquely. And I, I'll be absolutely honest with you, I always forget that Jimmy leaves before the other person. Like, I always thought this episode comes after the other person leaves, but um, then I guess it makes sense because then Jimmy's not around when the other person leaves. So, I guess... I am just dumb. Um, <laughs> which, yeah, I wonder how it would have been if Jimmy had been around when the other person leaves. Although it probably wouldn't have really affected much of anything. No, uh, no, I don't think it would have really done much. They just maybe didn't want his pretty face to be involved in anything along those lines. Perhaps I don't really know. Um, but let's get into this one uh, straight away. So we've got. Kim and Jimmy in bed, uh, all, you know, young and loved up, as always. And um, mm-hmm. Jimmy proposes, uh, will you marry me? Again, essentially, uh, saying that he's <laughs> changed and that uh, he wants to uh, be back with her. So, it's, it's, I mean, it's a nice little moment between these two again. We've talked about yeah. a lot this season how we're, we're glad that these two have kind of made up and have, uh, I guess, come this far with everything. And, I mean, Jimmy's right, isn't he? Jimmy has changed, so... Uh, he really has. Yeah. And, I mean, it's kind of... It's an interesting <clears throat> way they kind of develop this whole story around it. Like, you know, I've changed, which kind of is going to come back at the end of this episode, to which Kim's going to be like, well, no, you haven't changed, but not, I guess, in the way that... We know he has changed, considering what he was like in the first season. Um, right. So, yeah, but, I mean, look, again, great stuff between us. It's, it's pretty much another Jimmy episode, uh, even though our Jimmy episodes this season seem to have a lot of cop stuff around it. Uh, we don't really have full, full Jimmy episodes like we have in the past, but uh, still, it's nice to have a lot of Jimmy-centric stuff here. Um, we've got Sasha, meanwhile, saying hello to everyone with Bosco, uh, all the kids and everyone basically showing she's a lady of the uh, the people, like all the women, uh, all the kids and the people love her. Um, and we find out for the first time that she's got a, a long-term plan, I guess, to become mayor. She wants to become police commissioner, then she wants to go on to be mayor. So I always forget that this is a thing because <laughs> I guess maybe we've talked about Monroe kind of just being there and sort of the, the middle-of-the-road character. But um, yeah, this is a very strong episode for Monroe. I think it kind of sets up a lot about her character. And I like the fact that we've got somebody with ambition like that. I'm not to take away from any of our other cops that we have in this show. But, uh, you know, that's a that's a pretty forward-thinking plan, isn't it? That, hey, I'm going to be commissioner, then I'm going to be mayor. And she definitely has the motivation and drive to do just that. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that it's, uh, you know, you're absolutely right. And it's kind of showing her ways that she's going about. And this is definitely one of those episodes where it's kind of, it's done well that, 
you've got to think a lot, like about is this a right thing or a wrong thing? What's going to happen? Um, which we'll get to very shortly because they get a phone, uh, they get a call on the radio that there's been a hit and run. Um, and then we've got all the firefighters at the firehouse checking out the ring that uh, they've given Kim that Jimmy has given Kim. And uh, we meet for the first time uh, the esteemed Captain Steeper, Captain Jack Steeper, Steeper oh. the Reaper, a.k.a. Paul Michael Glasser, who, uh, you know, despite what we may think of the character, fairly big name to be here in Third Watch, the original uh, Starsky from Starsky and Hutch. Uh, so, you know, that's a pretty decent uh, name to come onto this show. So, yeah, look, I'm with you. I'm the, ugh, Steeper. Like, I don't think anyone's meant to like Steeper. But, uh, you know, again, this is another one of these big names that we're good to have in this show, right? Yep. Yep. Season five seems to be the season for big names. Yeah. Yeah, true. True. Um, I mean, I guess even moving forward, though, we have a few in season six, too, don't we? When does, does Henry Winkler come in this season or next season? This season. It's this season. And then in we the last think, few episodes. Yeah, I thought... And then there's also um, his wife was one of the original Charlie's Angels. What's her name? Um... Kate Jackson. Kate Jackson. I knew there was a Jackson in there somewhere. Yep, um, Kate Jackson. Yes, and I think you're right, actually. Um, but it's kind of, it's it's done in a way where, I know during our uh, fourth season of Nip Tuck coverage, we talked a lot about how kind of they went out of their way to get, um, you know, big name stars and that, but it worked. Like, it kind of, it's not like a Will and Grace, for example. Like, I love Will and Grace. I love the guest stars, but it did get to a certain point with Will and Grace where the ratings were waning so much that they just went out of their way to get as many big name celebrities as they can to draw people into it. Whereas I think kind of season four of Nip Tuck felt that way just because they got so many celebrities to come on the show, but every single one of them worked. And I feel like Third Watch has done that too. Like, yeah, they've got a bunch of big names this season with the guest stars, but I don't think at any point does it feel they take away. Like, maybe Gene Simmons, you could have put in an argument that, you know, his star power sort of takes away from it when you get to him because his character is so cartoony. But I don't know. Like, do you feel that the guest stars work this season, even the big name ones? So far, yes. Yeah, definitely. I think one of my favorites so far has been... (laughs) One of my favorites so far has been DMX. Yeah. I mean, I was with you there. I think kind of, you know, he... I I think that one was a case of if you didn't know who he was, like, you would just assume, like, okay, he's a fairly standard, you know, guest star in this episode. Um, You know, it's... It's, yeah, he was a surprisingly good actor, I think. But, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's a good point. Like, a few big names in this, uh, season and still a few more to come. But yes, Paul Michael, Paul mm-hmm. Michael Glasser, um, Steeper the Reaper is here. We find out that Jimmy has been given a promotion that he's going to be in rescue in Bed-Stuy, um, in a decent precinct. And, you know, Kim sort of questions this, like, you know, oh, you don't want to change precinct. And Jimmy's kind of like, oh, just think of this as a wedding present. Um, so we're going to learn a little bit more about Steeper uh, along the way, of course, because uh, Steeper's really going to be sort of very much connected to Doc, as we're going to find out soon. Uh, Bosco and Munro mm-hmm. show up to see this kid that's been hit. Doc and Carlos show up, um, and then they go around the corner and find a guy who has hit and run this kid, and basically he's been beaten to death um, by a bunch of people. I do like the, the line that uh, Doc says when he's kind of like, you know, oh, he's dead, that's a miracle even I can't work out. Um, and between this, we sort of cut to another scene where the fire crew have been sent out to a burning building. Uh, Jimmy is all excited. This is going to be one hell of a day. And then we see a guy fall out of the, uh, building and land on top of a car, basically, because it's a big fire. We have the credits. And for the last time, we see Eddie Cibrian on our, uh, credits. Uh, we're going to get a, almost a completely new credits next episode. I mean, it's still very similar, but there's a lot more scenes that they've added, um, to next week's credits. Um, so Munro, I've, I've jumped the gun a little bit in terms of saying that Doc can't save this kid. That's going to happen in just a moment. Uh, Munro is shouting at everyone, uh, sort of overlooking this, uh, dead body saying that she knows someone saw this. Uh, you know, I will knock on every door if I have to. Uh, this is where Doc shows up and says, uh, he's dead. It's one miracle. I can't work. And yeah, yeah I guess uh, a lot of this episode too is kind of going to not necessarily skimmed over, but it's it's a fire rescue episode, so kind of you know we're not going to go play by play. So Jimmy's right. in the building, walking <clears> through <throat> it. Um, Swer- uh, Swersky Steeper is directing him in there and kind of walking him through the building. And meanwhile, Cruz shows up. 
starts interviewing some people at the scene, speaking to a guy called Luther, and uh, she said she's going to go around and uh, go and get some people around the neighbourhood, and Monroe wants to help, but Cruz basically just shuts her down and says, go finish some paperwork, and Bosco's like, she's good, and yeah, Monroe's like, yeah, like a, re- a real Dick Tracy. So we essentially set this episode up where we have uh, got uh, Munro and Bosco are going to be searching for the hit-and-run person. Well, sorry, who bashed up the hit-and-run. Uh, and then we've got Jimmy in this firehouse. But, you know, a, a fire rescue, I should say. You know what it reminds me of? Is it, It's the first season, isn't it, what? when Sully, uh, he's like, you know, everyone's got one of those crimes that really, you know, gets under their skin. Mine's hit-and-run. Um, like, yeah. Is that, that's the first season, isn't it? Yes, yes, it is the first season. I think that's episode 12 of the first season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's episode 12 of the first season that that happens. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's a similar in a way, cause that's, that's the one where like a, an African American guy has hit a white kid sort of in a uptown area, isn't it? So there, he's kind of like, you know, yes. the reason why I ran is because, you know, you know what they're going to do to me. So I guess this is the opposite where like a white guy has hit a, a kid in Harlem. Um, but the, the difference here is and that that's- they have just gone after this person and bashed him till he's dead. So, you know, it's, it's kind of, again, it's a think, it's a thought, thought tank, think tank episode. What am I saying? You know what I'm trying to say, right? Yeah. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's kind of setting it all up. Uh, so we still have the fire rescue going in. Jimmy is, uh, trying to save some people as they go through this building and Jimmy falls through the floor. We get everyone yelling out, Jimmy, Jimmy. Um, we've got Walsh outside, you know, he comes out, Kim's questioning, uh, where Jimmy is, and Walsh is kind of like, not now, Kim, and we've got, we find out that Jimmy survived, he's just on the lower floor, he's fallen through everything, and he's protecting a woman down there, so, uh, it's kind of like, as you said, like, the promo for this, you know, really teasing up the fact, like, you know, one firefighter won't return, um, look, on paper, it's a bit of a cliche, like, kind of having a, a character leave an episode, we're gonna throw them in a bit of danger, like, you know, keep you guessing, cause you know they're leaving, so, you know, will they die, or won't they? It's kind of, I don't know how well publicized it was at this point that Eddie Cibrian was leaving Third Watch, but I know generally whenever you have a TV show where they've publicized that a main actor is leaving, they will try to go out of their way to keep you guessing for the large part of it, which I guess is fair enough. Like, you know, like, you at least know they're leaving, so you want to know how they leave, if you know what I mean, whereas... If it's, yeah. if it's not advertised that they're leaving, you know, it's kind of going to be a bit of shock. Like, I don't know how much it was, um, you know, said that Bobby Cannavale was leaving or that, um, you know, Amy Carlson was leaving. So, um, yeah, I think kind of in this instance, yeah. you can understand it, but I don't know. Like, it's, it's a yeah. tad of a cliche, I guess. Yeah. I'd like to, f- I'd like to track, I'd like to track down promos for those episodes, the ones where Bobby Cannavale left and where Amy Carlson left. Cause I'd love to know how those were advertised. You know, if they were, advertised similarly to how this one was. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. Like I, I sometimes will randomly go on, um, uh, like YouTube and you'll see like people are promoting old YouTube clips of sort of promos and that sort of stuff. But yeah, I, I've never, I don't think I've ever seen those ones. Uh, so yeah, if anybody has links to those, that would be cool. I'm never opposed to seeing old things like that. Um, so Cruz, meanwhile, comes back to the precinct. She's got a heap of people all chained up. And uh, Monroe sees someone that she knows. We see a guy called Tony. And um, she's straight away saying to Cruz, like, look, hey, Tony wasn't there. Tony wasn't there. Uh, Cruz starts, doesn't listen to Monroe. And, um, excuse me, I'm just choking on my own excitement here. Puts them all in a cell. <laughs> um, back at the fire rescue, the crews are still screaming for Jimmy. Jimmy is uh, still stuck down the bottom. Kim outside staring at the building in, uh, you know, helplessly. Uh, Jimmy's still trying to help this woman, uh, telling her that she's going to be all right. And kind of, we get, um, sort of this, this sad music that plays in this episode. I like this sort of sad theme that plays kind of. Oh, yes. Solemn Jimmy kind of almost like in a point where he's like, okay, I'm screwed here. Uh, Dave's out the front is telling Kim it's going to be all right. And then Jimmy kind of just having flashbacks of, uh, Kim saying to him, you know, uh, you know, I want to tell everyone, I want to tell everyone. And kind of, you really think at this point that it's going to be over because you sort of see Jimmy pass out, but then the fire crews show up, they uh, they rescue him, and then they drag him out of the building. So 
Yeah, it's just that theme, isn't it? Like, there's just that kind of sad, solemn theme in the background that they play a couple of times in this episode, yeah. which I think yeah. elevates this episode up a little higher than it probably would be because it really does, in a way... And, like, again, let's realistically think about this. Every single time we've come into an episode where a major character has left this show, twice, both have died. So it's really not out of the realm of possibility to believe that Jimmy's going to die in this situation, is it? Nope, and, I mean, obviously, he, he nearly does. And the and the way, yeah, and and Eddie Cibrian, Eddie Cibrian really delivers in that scene too. You know, where he's like, he's like, we're gonna be okay. Yeah, we're gonna be okay. And and it's like, yep, that's man. Good job, Eddie. Which again goes back to my point I've made a few times this season about how you know his acting ability in the show that I watched him in Take Two. I swear, has been dumbed down because Rachel Bilson's in it. And again, I like Rachel Bilson. I'm not trying to say that Rachel Bilson's terrible, but maybe I, I just because I can't, I can't fathom why Eddie Cibrian seems to come across as a poor actor in that show. Is it the script? Like, is it just badly written? I don't know. Um, but like, he I can, don't either. He can act, and it just it just comes across that he can't act in Take Two. Yeah, there were people, and maybe I mentioned this. There were some people saying on some on some forums about the show being canceled. They were saying, you know, actually, this was on TV Line's Facebook page. TV Line, TV Line is one of those sites that tracks shows here in the U.S. I don't know if you're familiar with it. No, but um, yeah. but, um, but yeah, they were saying Eddie Cibrian is a is a curse. You know, everything he everything he touches gets canceled. Somebody said that, and I actually. I actually reply with something like that. Oh, really? Why don't you tell the cast of Third Watch that? Well, I think in all fairness, though, like, that is almost a valid point because the guy has been trudging along since Third Watch to try and get, you know, an ongoing series. Like, I remember after this, he went into that Invasion show, which I think I saw an episode or two, which I really wanted to watch. But I think once I hear a show's been cancelled, I'm like, what's the point investing time in it? Like, you know, it's been cancelled. So that was his big one after this. And I'm pretty sure, if anything, he went to that after, like, he was cast as a lead in that. Um, and that's a lot of the reason what kind of drew him away from Third Watch. So that got cancelled. Then just looking through here, he was in a show called Vanished, which, um, looks here. Yeah, I think I saw that once or twice. He was only in it for seven episodes. I don't know the history behind that. He's done a few sort of, uh, fleeting appearances in the shows here and there. I mean, Dirty Sexy Money was kind of billed as the next Desperate Housewives, and that failed miserably. He was only in that for one episode, but, you know, there was that. Samantha Who, that was that Christina Applegate show, wasn't it, from memory? Or uh, Yes. Yep, so he was in that for a couple yes. episodes. Ugly Betty, he was in that for a while. I mean, that was a fairly big show, but he was only in that for about eight episodes. He was never a main star of that. Uh, the big one that I remember him kind of being one of the leads of was, it like, the, yeah, the Playboy Club. That was kind of, like, really heavily promoted as, like, the next big thing, and he was a star of that. That failed miserably. Uh, and then scrolling through here, other ones where he's was made, it- I guess, uh, prominent appearances in. Again, I don't know if he was ever a regular or if this was just, you know, a star. One he called For Better or Worse. He was in that for about five episodes. Uh, Baby Daddy, he was in that for quite some time. Rosewood, he was in that for a good 22 episodes. And then Take Two, 13 episodes. So, look, as much as I love Eddie Cibrian, I'm not here to, you know, shit all over his career, but, you know, that person's almost got a point. (laughs) (laughs) And he was also in CSI Miami, I think, for its last one or two seasons. I didn't want to kind of lump that in that, because, I mean, I didn't know the history around when he joined that to when that finished, so... And I mean, CSI Miami was a very successful show, but again, if he joined that just as it was, yes, you know, finishing. It was. So, you know, does that, again, like, there is, when they, when the whole jump the shark thing became a, you know, a real thing out there, and I think I've mentioned this before, there used to be a website around it, which was really good. Like, you could click on any show and kind of it had like the top 10 reasons why people claimed a show jump the shark. And there was a couple of actors which this website kind of tracked as like, these actors, are jinxes for shows because every show they join essentially gets cancelled. Um, so I can't remember some of the names of that, but that was back in the day when I used to be able to read the the forums and all that sort of stuff. And that's when you know Sergeant Cruz was the reason why people claimed that Third Watch jumped the shark. Um, but I, I really wish that website somebody could re you know revitalise that in the way it used to be because I think one of the major like entertainment companies bought bought it and then they just kind of took over it and now it's terrible. So, yeah. Of course. It was done so well. Like, it used to be so good. But, 
Yeah, NEC Rin, like, it's funny because Mallory was watching this episode with me sort of next to me and I was kind of like, oh, you shouldn't be watching this because you're going to be watching this from the beginning one time. But anyway, um, and she watched all of Take Two and, you know, was very attracted to NEC Rin. As I said, like, the guy seems to get better looking with age. And even she kind of said to me, she's like, oh, he looks so much better in Take Two. And, like, he's not exactly not good looking in Third Watch. I mean, he's he was hired for this show purely on the fact that he looked good. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's interesting, yep. but... Yeah. So what's Mallory thinking of the of Third Watch so far even though she's you know watched a couple of episodes here and there with you hasn't really blazed through it she, yet. She's she's enjoyed from what she's seen and kind of cuz she watched 13 and 14 with me. I didn't want her to watch episode 15 with me um because you know that's kind of a big spoiler for for a certain character. But you know she seems to like yeah. it so far. She's asking me questions, she's remembering names and like, "Oh, who's that again? Who's that again?" Um, and then I remember like with this episode with Cruz and she's like, are we meant to like Cruz? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> you're not going to like Cruz. Like kind of, that's fair point. <laughs> like, so yeah. Anyway, no, she seems to be liking it. So I'm looking forward well, to good. her going through it. Um, all right. So Cruz is questioning a bunch of people, uh, questioning a guy called Sean, um, and then questioning, we see this guy with glasses. What's the guy with glasses called? Um, is it Le, Le, Lamont? Lamont? Lamont. Lamont. Lamont, yes. Um, kind of, you know, questioning him. And then, uh, brings in Troy, or tells, uh, Munro to bring Troy in, or Tony in. Why am I saying Troy? Uh, whatever, because of the T. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, then we find out that the guy who was bashed up and killed is the nephew of a councilman or something like that. Swirsky comes in to tell Cruz. And then Tony comes in. Uh, Munro is there basically saying to Cruz, like, you know, Tony wasn't there. And uh, Munro gets kicked out by Cruz. So, uh, you know, we're not going to see exactly how she's going to question him. Uh, we cut to the hospital as uh, Jimmy gets brought back in. We find out that Jimmy's 35 I don't know, again, if this is any continuity we need to point out. Did we ever find out his age previously to this, Darvell? I think it might have been mentioned in Young Men and Fire, but I'll have to check. So, I mean, that would put him as 30 at the beginning of this show, and Joey was, what, 6, technically? So, this would put Kim and... I guess Kim's about the same age as uh, Jimmy, so they were about 24 when they had Jimmy... uh, When they had... Uh, Joey and they had been separated. Were they married for five years or separated for five years? <sighs> married for five years, I think. Yeah. So and so it was pretty fresh. Their divorce coming into season one, wasn't it? So right, it kind of makes sense. Like have a kid around twenty four. Uh, were they were they was she pregnant when they got married? I think she was, wasn't she? I think they remember them talking about her being pregnant in a wedding dress. I somehow remember that maybe. I'll have to check. So even hypothetically, if she was pregnant, you, that would put them at, uh, what, 24 when they got married, get you know, five years of marriage, 29, get divorced about 29, uh, 30 at the beginning of the show. Yeah, that makes sense. So, you know, mm-hmm. fair enough. I'm just saying, I wonder if this is one of those cases where was, uh, well, is Eddie Cibrian about that age? So this is 2004. Uh, he was born in 1973, so he's 31. So yeah, right about the same. So, yep, okay, cool. I'm just... Yep. There we go. Trying to work it out. He's a little bit older, technically, in uh, Third Watch than he is in real life. But that made him 26 when the show first started. So, cool. All right. Just uh, All right. making sure. Uh, still, though, if you look... Well, just one thing I'll quickly say with Eddie Sibrian. If you do look on his IMDb page, <laughs> kind of, it's still got Third Watch as the third most thing he's recognised for. Um, and even his bio, it says he's an actor known for The Cave, Sunset Beach, and Third Watch. So, um, no matter what he's been in, um, he's still, you know, got third watch amongst his top three that he's best known yeah. for. So, and rightly so. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I think you you look at a lot of these people's pages. Um, I mean, people maybe like Bobby Cannavale and Nia Long probably don't have third watch listed in their top three, but pretty much everyone else does. Uh, even even uh, Michael Beach, I think, still has uh, Third Watch listed as one of the things he's most well known for, and he's kind of gone on to semi fame between and before and everything along those lines. Um, Doc sees Steeper in the hospital for the first time, um, and this is when we hear for the first time about uh, that he doesn't, you know, run stations; he closes stations. So uh, we're going to hear uh, a little bit more about that. Um, we're back at the firehouse. Uh, we've got her mother of one of the, 
um, supposed people who have been involved, the guy with the glasses, Lamont, sort of saying to Munro that my son didn't do anything. Um, Munro, meanwhile, sees Cruz coming out, and Cruz comes out and says that uh, Tony confessed, and Munro's basically saying, like, you know, you got the wrong guy. Uh, she's then in the car with Bosco, and Bosco saying that he didn't see anything. Uh, Bosco saying, look at the guy who, you know, look at his background. Like, clearly he's a bit of a criminal. Um, and then we see Cruz. Oh, they're not in the car, sorry. They're in the precinct still. Uh, Cruz yeah. uh, is talking with Swirsky. Swirsky basically saying that you've done enough now to get back into anti-crime. So, you know, Munro is basically saying, like, look, hey, she's done whatever it takes here once again. And then Munro comes in and questions. Valid point. Yeah, true. Munro <laughs> questions Tony. And, uh, Tony doesn't want to talk to Munro and he wants to go to central booking and Cruz and Munro have a bit of a, you know, it's not over. Yes, it is. So it's kind of like we've built up this fact that these two sort of, again, everyone hates Cruz, but then it gets to the point where Cruz and Munro <coughs> kind of are getting a bit tight with each other. And then now all of a sudden we kind of got to, you know, book a bit of a rivalry back together, don't we? So, um, yeah, yeah, it's kind of, it's done in, uh, it's a, done in an interesting manner the way they kind of do that. Um, Kim and Holly, uh, are in the hospital. Holly's getting a fair bit of screen time, isn't she? We like this. Um, yeah. talking to Kim about saying, you know, how we got lucky. Um, and then Kim can see Jimmy is talking with the guys after the rescue and basically saying how he's going to have a lot more action at, uh, bed how he hopes so. Um, you know, he's sort of lying, saying like, oh, you guys didn't rescue me. I was completely in control. And then we sort of, mm-hmm. then we get the line from Jimmy there when he's like, for a second there, I couldn't think of a better way to go when the floor fell out from behind, below him. And Kim's sort of watching this on and hears him say that. So, and not exactly the thing you want to hear your partner say, right? Uh, no. No, not, <laughs> you know, but, and you know, and you know, and, and don't they insert some more really sad music right there, right after he says that? Um, or something? Possibly. Because that kind of clue. Oh, no, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say because that kind of that's what kind of made me think. Okay, yeah, Kim definitely heard that. <laughs> uh, I, I can't remember if there's sad music, but I mean, you, you know, you can obviously see straight away that she's right there, and kind of Jimmy's kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, like Kim, like, hey, what did I say? And she he kind of walks off. So, well, she kind of walks off. Yeah. I should say. Um. So we've got Bosco uh, kind of having this conversation with Munro in the car, you know, sort of saying, like, this is different because this is one of your people and sort of, you know, Munro's like, I wouldn't care if, you know, he was purple and because Bosco sort of brings Alinado into it for a, for a little bit. Uh, and then they're kind of, you know, trying to piece the things together. Like, you know, when was the last time a kid in Harlem rolled over in five minutes and, you know, and didn't want help, uh, essentially, when uh, somebody's offering it to him? Uh, they go in and question... Uh, a guy who runs a youth center and he reckons that Tony did it. Uh, so, you know, he's not exactly being that much of a assistance here and saying that, you know, crime is going to go down on the streets with, uh, this guy off the streets. It's, it's again, it's kind of like, it's one of these things where it really is, you know, making you think because look, without yeah. being disrespectful, like everybody's basically saying it's going to be a good thing that this guy goes to, uh, to prison. Um, you know, so it's kind of Munro's really stuck in a rock and a hard place here because no one is is helping. Uh, Bosco wants food. Sasha wants to canvas the neighbourhood. <laughs> so <laughs> I just I just want Bosco to kind of repeat. Uh, Yoko's is like food now. Uh, <laughs> oh man, why didn't he? Yeah, I feel like we need that. We get some. I like some good Bosco things in this episode. Kind of like some quirky Bosco moments. Um, we've got Doc questioning Steeper, uh, you know, saying like, didn't you close down this house? Didn't you close that house? And then this is where he sort of says to him, like, they don't call you Steeper the Reaper for nothing. And then kind of Steeper's like, is that what they call me? And then he's like, oh, don't pretend you haven't heard it before. Um, and then we find out that Jimmy was, uh, already meant to be sort of processed to bed The paperwork's got lost, so they want him in bed by the end of the week. And, you know, uh, Steve is kind of saying, like, they have a lot of rescues over there. Last week, a trench collapsed and all this sort of stuff. And Kim's basically sort of sarcastic. He's like, look like you hit the jackpot. Um, I do kind of like how Kim's kind of like, you know, Levine, come on, get yourself, let's go. Then she, you know, Jimmy sort of pulls Kim aside and is sort of like, you know, hey, have I done something wrong? Um, and then just as they're trying to talk, Levine just kind of stands next to them awkwardly. And Kim's just kind of like, 
you can go, Levine. Like, you don't need to be here while we're having this conversation. And um, <laughs> Kim's basically like, you know, I'm fine. You know, go home. I'll be there afterwards. And as I've learned, and I'm sure all of us have learned, and this is not a sexist comment. This is the truth, ladies and gentlemen, that if a woman says, I'm fine, they're not fine. You've done something wrong. So. <laughs> Circumstances like that, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, you, and, I mean, then you they, gr- and then they want us to guess what's wrong instead of just yeah. coming out and saying, hey, exactly. this is what's up. Um, I just want to backtrack a little bit here and go back to Steeper because you've grunted a couple of times, which is fair enough. Like, I don't think Steeper's ever been brought into this as somebody we're ever going to like. Um, but explain your grunting, Darbell. Give, give me a rundown on your Steeper hate. I just don't really feel like he adds much. Okay. To the show. He, he's your, he's your obligatory villain, so to speak, but. There's really nothing else to him other than that. I mean, what let? First off, I mean, why is he, or or should I even mention this? Why is he in such a high-ranking position in the department if he's never actually fought fires? For one thing, yeah, and for and for another. I think he's just a one-dimensional character, you know. Apart from the fact that I don't like him, it. I would all. agree with that. I would. I would definitely agree with that. And I think, like, it's a very good point. And I think, if you kind of analyze the reason he's in this show, and what's going to happen in a couple episodes, I think the reason why they probably bring in someone so one-dimensional that there is no redeeming qualities to this guy, and why we should like him is because what happens to him in the manner that happens to him, I guess, has to be done in such a way that the person who does it to him, who's doing something evil and illegal, we still sympathise with the person doing the illegal act as opposed to yeah. the victim, if that makes sense. Yeah, although although I will although I will say he doesn't much as Cruz didn't deserve what happened to her. I mean, the guy doesn't... I, I wouldn't say this guy necessarily deserves what happens to him in a couple episodes either, although maybe I might change my tune by then. I don't know. Well, absolutely. Like, I'm, no one deserves stuff like that happened to them, except maybe like Hitler or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> like, oh, oh <laughs> Hit, Hitler, Hitler, deserve, Hitler deserved to be, ir- to be irrigated with a crossbow. There you go. Yes, that's exactly my thoughts. Um, but I think, yeah, the difference with Cruz is that, like, I think you're right. I think the difference is, is that, like, again, as we're trying to explain with Cruz, there's layers to the Cruz character. Like, if you can get past the hatred that so many people had for her and actually see what she's doing. Like, Cruz did bad things for good reasons. Cruz never did anything. And, like, I'm not saying Steeper's not doing, you know, the closing down houses and kind of what we're going to get next week with putting paramedics on the street for, you know, this is the way it's meant to be. Fair enough. But, like, we've never given an opportunity to kind of see Steeper's meanings. And, like, we're going to believe Doc, aren't we? Like, this is a guy who we've had for five seasons, over a 100 episodes. He is the heart and soul of this show, as kind of, you know, it's always been portrayed before season five. So, like, if Doc says this guy closes houses and is bad news, we're going to believe him. You know, despite the fact that he's acting all cuckoo la la. So, yeah, I I, I think the fact... <laughs> yeah, you, you're very right. You like, one-dimensional. Like, that is purely it. And... Uh, again, I'll reiterate it, I think, that when we get to episode 15. And I just, I think that is done in such a way so that we sympathise with the person creating a crime as opposed to with the victim who we really should be sympathising with. So, and again, yeah. not saying that we think this should happen to him, but yeah, anyway. So, yeah, that's deeper. Um, so, uh, Munro, meanwhile, we're going to go to like a mini montage kind of of this like tense music, Munro going around the neighbourhood, Bosco just sitting in the arm. Um, the RP eating, uh, I do like that. Um, and then they are interviewing sort of a little old lady who straight away is like, have you seen Liberty, my dog? And um, <laughs> they question her, and she then says that she saw the guy with the glasses throw the punch that killed this guy. So they're like, oh, great, you know, we've got this, you know, this woman has basically implemented this Lamont guy, only for her to basically then go, oh, Liberty, there you are. And we look at an empty chair, and we're like, okay, this woman is a bit, you know, she can't see very well. 
Um, and then we kind of cut to the car and we get some great boss goners. The way she's just sort of like, Liberty, you're sitting on Liberty. <laughs> <laughs> and you uh, did a pretty solid impression of that too. Which, I mean, at the end of the day, he's right. Like, what jury is going to, you know, convict based on a woman who has vision problems or something like that? Um, hey, now. <laughs> oh, well. Nah. <laughs> It's one of those moments I put my foot in. I had to, I had to fuck with you, Ben. I had to fuck with you there. I, I, I just, I just remain quiet. I'm just going to sit my coffee and pretend I didn't say anything. <laughs> Moving on. Oh, um, yeah, let's move on. You know, I had to mess with you there, man. Come on. Uh, I'm always offending the blind. But moving, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> moving forward. Um, this is where I can just, you know, make a rude hand gesture and you won't be able to see it, so it's fine. Uh, so, Monroe <laughs> questioning Tony back at the precinct, um, and basically saying, like, look, we've got a witness that will testify for Lamont, um, and then this is where we hear the truth, that Lamont stepped in and threw the punch and, uh, fell backwards, um, and kind of, you know, he's... They all came running to him in the youth centre and, you know, he sort of stepped in because Lamont's got a, a, what, a scholarship and kind of like this is going to affect his chances. You know, he can get out of this life and, uh, you know, Munro basically comes in and, um, yeah, basically, it, again, it's just we're, we're trying to get to the bottom of everything here. Um, yeah. And it's, yeah, Cruz comes in and arrests Tony. Munro wants to talk to Swirsky about this sort of stuff, but he's more concerned about the press conference. Because I guess, um, you know, uh, what is he, a, a, a politician's son or something that's died, so there's got to be a, Yes. Yeah, I do like the line that Tony says when he's like, oh, he's taking classes that I can't even pronounce. Um, <laughs> it's kind of funny. Um, Jimmy, meanwhile, has woken up the next morning. Uh, no Kim. Kim didn't show up. Uh, and then Cruz, uh, we see questioning Bosco, sort of, you know, where's your girl? And kind of, you know, Bosco's like, not your girl. And I do like these little lines when kind of like... Uh, Cruz sort of is like, you know, first Yokus and now Monroe. Like, you know, you have a real uh, thing of sort of turning these, of like turning your partners or whatever that sort of stuff. And it's kind of interesting because this is actually one of the rare occasions where Bosco's done nothing, has he? Like, Bosco is just sitting back this episode. This is all on Monroe. So, but I do like this week and next week how kind of we've got those connections that they kind of throw it back to and they say like Bosco, like, yeah. hey, like, come on now. Like, this is, is this a theme with you, Bosco? But yeah, like Bosco's completely innocent here, isn't he? It really is. Kind of being yeah. a bit passive and kind of just letting things uh, fly out the way Un- they are. <laughs> yeah, unbosco like Which, you know, it's kind of... He's been a bit different this season, I think, kind of since everything that happened at the beginning. Like, we saw that, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago when he's sort of, you know, reading all the books a little bit and reading all the laws and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, I like it. I like the fact we get a bit of different Bosco. Um Munro and Bosco, meanwhile, are in the car having a bit of a chat, and Munro's sort of saying, I don't know what to do. Uh, Bosco's like, sometimes the right thing to do isn't the right thing, and Munro's basically like, that's not how I work. Like, you know, I need to do the right thing. Uh, we're at the firehouse, and Kim out. We've got this nice little deck area, which we've seen. We haven't seen in a while. It kind of reminds you of sort of how we've got outside the hospital. They go and stand by the water and have a conversation every now and then. Like, we've got like, yeah. this little outdoor deck of the uh, firehouse, which we don't see as much as I think we should. Um, and Kim and Jimmy have this conversation and, uh, essentially she calls him up for saying like, Hey, you know, you said you wanted to die out there. And Jimmy's like, that's not what I meant. And Kim's basically like, I want to die, you know, going out, kicking and screaming a hundred, seeing my grandchildren. And Jimmy's like, that's me too. And she's like, no, it isn't. You want to go out in a blaze of glory. And she's basically saying like, I thought what it was forgot what it was like to stare at a building, burning building and worry. And Jimmy's like, you always do that. It's like, well, I don't do it as much when we weren't together. Um, and she gives the ring back and can't marry you, Jimmy. You already have a wife. I'm not willing to share you with the job anymore. And we have sad music. Now, I would possibly put this in a top five nominee, but I think we've got a better scene later on this episode, which is a top five. And I think the fact that, spoiler alert, this isn't the end of these two, even though it sort of is the end right now. Um... It's kind of meaningless to put this in the top five because it's it's not like this is the official final breakup of Jimmy and Kim. You know, if it was, no, um, I would, you know, definitely say this is a, a definite nomination. But um, and it's interesting because I'm generally a person who doesn't like a lot of the will they, won't they's kind of back and forth, back and forth. Oh, they're together now, they're not together. But like again, I have no complaints this season about the way they do this because I think kind of it works and it makes sense. And I actually think Kim has a very logical point here to say this. 
you know, um, and like even the way Jimmy kind of, you know, helplessly saying like, but I've changed. And it's kind of like, well, he has, like, and uh, Kim knows he's changed his womanizing ways and all that sort of stuff. He's very mature now, but he's still Jimmy going in there rescuing people, if you know what I mean. So, I don't know, I, I really yeah. like this scene. I really like this scene. Yeah, I do too. I do too. And you, and it's, well, okay, never mind. We've already talked about that. The way they deliver it, you know, the the feelings, the emotion behind it, both of them nail it. Yeah. And I think kind of the thing that doesn't feel repetitive too is because it's so different how these two have gotten back together now, it's not just like they've slept together after, you know, something's happened or this, that and everything else. Like you, you generally feel that Jimmy's almost a very different person, like a different character almost now. So um, you've got got that kick in the teeth and kind of that emotionalness of it, like saying like, oh, like these two are breaking up, that's sad. Um, yeah, and I love the line. I love I love the line from Kim... You know, because it, I don't know why it's such a powerful line, but it is. The the one I used at the top of this recording, you know, you already have a wife, and yeah. I'm not willing to share you with the job anymore. I love, I don't know why that line hits me so hard, but it just does. Well, very, it, very powerful. It harks back to, was it Jimmy's Mountain, when he has his little monologue, and he's kind of like, I love my job, you know, when he's kind of like, because he's, he's relating it back to the whole Yankees thing when he tried out for the Yankees, right? So... I'm pretty sure that's yes. Jimmy's Mountain, and he's kind of saying, like, I love yes. my job. Like, yeah. Yes, that is Jimmy's Mountain. Yeah. Oh, look at me! I remembered an episode off the top of my head without having anything in front of me. I'm proud of myself. Um, so, I, I really like the fact that throughout this rewatch that I've done, uh, you know, with you and Brandy, that I've, I think this is the most I've ever appreciated Jimmy and the firefighters. Like, I've always said, like, kind of, that's always been the storyline that I don't give a shit about the most, but... I don't know, this time around, like, really appreciating the character of Jimmy and the firefighters. So, yeah, I've, I've enjoyed yeah. having this sort of appreciation <clears throat> for them along the way. Um, Bosco and Munro, meanwhile, are questioning Lamont. They've gone to his house, um, saying that he's been ID'd. Um, you know, this will haunt you for the rest of your life. His mum comes home and he's like, you know, my son didn't do anything. And then she hears her name is Munro, and this is where she says, Munro, you're the cop that everyone talks about. So... I think, like, it's kind of interesting that she's known in the neighbourhood, and we've kind of seen it for a couple of episodes that she's the one kind of going around, you know, helping everyone out. But I feel like this should have been fleshed out a little bit more. I'd like to, I would have liked to have seen this a little bit more. That like she's the one that everyone knows about. Because we've only had like two little glimmers of it. So um, yeah, but I like that idea because clearly, <clears throat> I mean, she's you know polit- politicking, I guess, along the way because you know a lot of that is so she gets liked and that along the way. So, hey, that was that cop that helped everyone out. But I don't know. I, I don't know how you feel about that. I just feel like they should have fleshed that out a little bit more before they kind of drop that in there. Maybe seen more, maybe shown more of that this episode or the last episode or something like that, yeah. you think? Yeah, exactly. Or, or since the introduction of her character? Yeah. Even? Like, yeah, you could have had, like, at least an episode or two to kind of really show that, you know, she's kind of this cop that everyone knows in the community and everything helping out. And again, like, I'm not saying they've never mentioned this before. It's not going to be like Jimmy's hot sauce bottle in a few minutes, which is kind of like, hey, we're meant to feel emotional over a, a hot sauce bottle because this is the first time we've ever heard about it. Um, but, like, <laughs> it's... Yeah, like, I, I, I'm sort of complaining, but I'm not. Like, it's kind of just one of these things which, like, I like what they do. It's kind of like an interesting trait for a character, but... At the same time, they could have maybe fleshed it out a little bit more. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Um, this is when they start to leave and Munro says, we're going to bring in the old lady. Um, Doc is still going off about Steeper back yeah, at the firehouse. Yeah, because that would have gone over well. Yeah. Doc is still going off about Steeper at the firehouse. Everybody's going out to get drinks. Steeper uh, tells Doc for the fifth time, this house isn't closing. Uh, and I just like Doc's reaction when he's kind of like, you guys are stupid. Um, and this is, yeah, where Jimmy's looking for his <coughs> iconic bottle of hot sauce, <laughs> um, which Levine <laughs> finds. And look, look, I'm not, like, it's kind of a cute little moment that we're going to get. But again, it's like, it literally yeah. comes out of nowhere. If we had have had an episode, like, in season two or season three, where we had a background to why this bottle of hot sauce means so much to Jimmy, it would have, you know, had a bit more of an emotional kick. But, like... It ultimately doesn't take away from the episode. I just think it's kind of, it's nah. so random that they're like, hey, Jimmy's beloved bottle of hot sauce. <laughs> like, <laughs> like what? <laughs> Either he doesn't use it very much or he knows of a way to get it refilled if he's had it with him, if we're meant to believe that he's had it with him 
throughout the entire course of this show. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's, yeah, like, it's just a little minor moment. But I think kind of, yeah. the thing with this episode, there are definitely a few moments where we kind of be like, huh, and like, we'll get to one moment in this episode where it's kind of like, hey, this just feels so tacked onto this episode. But, um, you know, I don't want to take away from this episode because it's a good episode. Um, meanwhile, back at the police house, um, uh, Munro comes in, tells Cruz that we've got the little old lady and then, uh, Cruz is like, we don't need her. Lamont's confessed, essentially, and kind of, you know, he's come out and said, like, hey, I've done this. Cruz isn't happy, saying, like, you've got a straight-A student now in jail. What future does he have now? Um, and then, uh, you know, Munro's kind of like, you know, it's the right thing to do. Uh, my job is to find answers. And I just, I love this line from Cruz, where she just says, like, this job isn't always black and white. I tried to teach Bosco that. He wouldn't listen. Um, and I, I love that. Like, I just and she's right, and she's that. right about that. Yeah, absolutely. And like, this is again another one of these moments where it's like, drop Mike. Cruz owns this. Like, Cruz is a hundred percent right here. And I'm not trying to take away from Monroe because Monroe's right too. Like, at the end of the day, uh, an innocent guy shouldn't be going <clears> to jail. But like, this is just again one of those fine line moments that like Cruz is always involved in. It's like, yeah, it's the wrong thing, but kind of on paper, it's sort of for the right reasons. And I'm like, I'm not trying to take away from. You know, the fact that an innocent guy will go to jail, but, like, this this Lamont kid, like, he's screwed down for life. Like, he made one mistake, and, again, I'm not trying to take away from the fact that, yeah, he's killed someone. I'm not saying people who, you know, this, I don't know in America, but, like, in Australia, definitely, there's a huge big thing in the last few years, this whole one punch can kill sort of, uh, you know, campaign, and sort of, they instead of calling it, um, you know, it used to be called, like, a hero punch or something like that, they're now calling it a coward punch, and it's a fair point, like... You know, drunken people go out to bars, they get into fights, one person throws one punch, that person can fall back, hit the head and die. Like, one punch can kill. It's a legitimate thing. I'm not trying to take away from that fact. But, like, sometimes in this instance, like, he's made one mistake. It's the one thing he's ever done. Um, at the end of the day, it's a guy who was drunk and did a hit and run. Like, I'm not saying his life is worth nothing. It's kind of going back to our steeper argument. Like, no one deserves this. Um... But this, at the end of the day, this this episode is written so well, and like I don't yeah. think like we've got a lot of flack for ripping shit into writers when the episodes are bad, and fair enough. This is what one of those points have. where like, when it comes to a well written episode, we should maybe go out of our way to do the opposite and give props. And I will do that right now. Janine Sherman Bar- Barrois, Barrois, I, I don't know how your name's pronounced. I apologise. I butchered your name constantly. But um, you, this episode is very well written, and I think it, it's just. It toes all those lines of thought process. And this is what a good TV episode should do. Um, kind of on Cruz's line. Like, it shouldn't be black and white. You should have your thought going here, thought going there. We should be able to have a debate and say, like, well, this is right, but this is wrong and everything. And I think Cruz's line there just sums it all up. And I think it's it's such a full circle episode that it's done so well. So, yeah, one of those moments where we come in here and really commend the writing of this show. Definitely. And... <clears throat> I don't know if they necessarily have a one punch can kill thing going on here in the U.S., but it's definitely true that that one can one conviction can certainly screw up the rest of your life. Yeah, here in the U.S. and at the risk of going off on a tangent about it, I think it's by design. I think our our our, our just our system is designed like that. In some yeah. ways. I think there's definitely a conversation there. And like, look, I agree. And I think it's a tricky one because I generally my whole life, like live by the rules, you know, like kind of that sort of person. And, you know, like I've, I've always been a person, like I've never got a speeding tick in my life. And I've always been a person who's like, there's no excuse for speeding. You should never speed. Like, I don't understand why people complain about speed cameras and things like that. It's like, well, don't speed. You won't get a ticket. It's that simple. Like, I don't see why you're trying to make an argument for speeding. It's against the law. So, like, okay, I, well, I am that type of person. So I'm not here trying to excuse a crime. At the end of the day, yes, he punched someone. He died. He should be punished for it. Um, but there's just, it's just, this is where it's so written because we can have this conversation and sort of like, well, like, would it really be so bad if he got away with this? Like, you know, it's, it's just, a, it's a, it's a, yeah, well written. And again, Cruz sums it up perfectly. Right. Um, 
We get uh, here, I think, to the final bit. Well, okay, I will say, I wish this was the final scene in this episode. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to skip over this scene and talk about this last. I'm just going to skip ahead to the Alinado bit, just because this is my only complaint about this episode. This feels so tacked on. This should be at the beginning of the next episode. There's no reason for this. The only reason this is in this episode is to get people like, ooh, tense, like, Rose Boscarelli's in trouble. Like, I have to come back next week. Again, it's kind of going back to what we had earlier this season with pointless cliff hangers there's no need for this cliffhanger to be in this episode it just it's so tacked on there like it feels so out of place that we have ali nardo walking into bosco's mum's bar and just basically being like hey i know your son um and then that's how the episode ends so that is my big complaint about this episode beginning of next episode this fits well end this on the emotional high it kind of almost takes away from jimmy's departure that's to me what annoys me um that's my rant. Well, well, NB- well, NBC made it pretty clear that they hated the firefighter element of this point. So, is it any surprise that they went that they had the writers go that route? It's very true. But- and I, I, I would. This is where I'd love to talk to you know the writers like of this episode. I'd love to be able to talk to Janine and be like, hey, like, was this originally in the script or kind of you know uh, was this for next week? And hey, look who wrote writes next week's episode, Scott Williams. Oh, goody. Um, but. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually a decent episode next week. I shouldn't be so uh, negative. Um, but, yeah, I think that this has got Scott Williams all over it. Come on. <laughs> what, the, this tacked-on little scene at the I, end? I reckon Scott Williams has written this for next week, and NBC have come in and go, no, put that on the end of the last week's episode to keep it as a cliffhanger. Um, no. Um, uh-uh. It doesn't work. Yeah, I'm throwing shit on you, Scott. Next week, you sort of redeem yourself slightly with a decent episode. Uh, but yeah, anyway, so th- I wanted to skip over that because I want to come back to this emotional, nice little scene, which should end the episode. No, I'm, I'm, I'm saying this right now. Top five nominee. We'll pretend I think, it does. I think kind of, you know, we've, both times characters have left this show, you know, Bobby and Taylor and they've died. They've both made the top five. And I, I think that kind of when it comes to a character leaving and their final scene, just because they don't die, I think that it's still an important scene because we've had over 100 episodes. Well, not really because he hasn't been in 100 episodes, but you know what I mean. 100 episodes mm-hmm. of this guy being credited. So I think this is important that this should be a top five scene. Jimmy basically looking around and kind of, you know, uh, having a bit of a reminiscent moment. Um, you know, the guy's joking with him as they all leave and we kind of, it's a bit cliche, but I, I don't mind it. Jimmy sort of just slowly walking around the house and, as he does, we kind of get some flashback scenes, which kind of bring a bit of tears, you know. We get uh, moments seeing everyone. We see Johnson, Lieutenant Johnson, and sort of, um, you know, all the uh, guys sort of walking around. Uh, I've completely forgotten, and I feel terrible the fact that I've forgotten his name. Who was his best friend in Season 2 that he slept with um, his wife? Lombardo. Lombardo, thank you very much. I just feel terrible forgetting his name. We see some Lombardo in here. Um, we see Taylor when she's getting hung up on the hook, sort of when they were doing all the pranks <laughs> in the episode. Classic uh, moment there. <laughs> we've got like flashbacks to season one when he's asking Kim out on dates with Springsteen tickets. And the only thing that would made this just even more perfect if we saw a Bobby flash. We don't see any Bobby here. I'm a little bit sad. But, like, this is Mallory was watching this, and she even said to me, she's like, look, I have no reason to feel invested in this because I haven't gotten to this point. But she's like, even I feel a bit sad at this moment for this scene. Um, and it kind of, it ends with Jimmy putting his beloved bottle of hot sauce on the table. Um, and, uh, sitting it there. And, um, yeah. And then I, I just love this scene when he has it with Kim. Uh, you know, when he's kind of like, you know, you're going to miss, I'm going to miss you. And then kind of, it's sort of implied like these two are never going to see each other again. But even Mallory turned to me and said like, well, these two have a kid. They're going to have to see each other again at some point. Um, but <laughs> I just love the line there from Jimmy when he's like, you know, you think just because you gave the ring back, I'm giving up. I'm way tougher than that. Um, it's like, yeah, you go, Jimmy. Um, yeah. And then he leaves. And, oh, it's such a night. Like, Props to the writing, props to the fact that I've appreciated Jimmy and the firefighters a lot more. It's just it's just such a nice little way to end Jimmy and have a character not be killed off. And sadly, though, as much as it doesn't kill off Jimmy, it kind of does kill off the firefighters from this point, though, doesn't it? Because now... It really does. We do not the- have any main cast firefighters, and we will never have another main cast firefighter ever again in Third Watch. Or at least not on the level of, not on the level of Jimmy. Well, I mean, like, as in, like, actually fully credited as a main cast member. Like, we, we get, oh. you know, Walsh and DK stick around and we get, what, Stu Lottazese. I was going to say, oh, oh Lottazese was never credited as a main cast no, member? never, never. So, oh. 
um, yeah, basically the only people, the only person really in the firehouse that ever gets credited will be Grace. So, uh, she's a paramedic. So, yeah, moving forward, we've only got two more additions, don't we? Grace and Finney are the only two that will ever get added to the opening credits. So, um, yeah, sadly, we never get another fully credited firefighter. So, yeah, I don't know what you're going to say about this scene, David. Like, no disrespect here to you, but like, no, I, I no, mean, no. I don't know how this kind of emotionally, because you obviously don't see the flashback things that are happening, but you can sort of hear the ones when they talk about it. So, but I'm sure it's still right. an emotional connection to you. Yes, that plus that plus the music, and mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you're you're right. The the flashbacks in which there was in which there was spoken word. Yeah, I knew. I knew what was going on there. You know, obviously Jimmy's reflecting on his time there. I sort of pictured actually the way you described it was how was exactly how I pictured it. You know, him taking this one last long walk around the firehouse, looking around, taking it all in one last time. And then this, and then this, damn, I'm going to miss this place. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think at the end of the day too, a slight spoiler, not really a spoiler, but, um, no. he does make an appearance in the final episode, uh, next season, which, um, look, it was billed as like all oh, the original cast return in the final third watch to say goodbye. It's going to spoil it right now. He's literally in it for like five seconds. <laughs> like I'm so like that one thing that yeah. slightly does annoy me with the finale is the fact that the couple of people who make their big return with the exception of one character, like you literally have a blink and you miss cameo and they don't even say anything. Yeah. <laughs> it, it would have been nice to see Jimmy return for, uh, at the, I'm not going to spoil this completely, but it would have been nice to see Jimmy return for, uh, um, the big moments the of the forward. first half of the finale. Oh, that bit. Oh, okay. I thought you meant like the flash forward. Um, yeah, look, We'll talk about that next season, obviously, but like, yeah. there are, there are issues with, but again, I, it's really a finale, which at the time I hated, but I've really come along to liking. And look, at the end of the day, I would, I, you, every third watch fan would be complaining even more if he didn't even make an appearance at all in the finale. Yeah. So at least he's there. Because um, he's the reason that the whole firefighter element was added. Exactly. Exactly. So anyway, that's next season. But that is Sleeping Dogs Lie. It's a bite from me. It's a strong bite from me. It's a good episode, even though we've got a stupid seat at the end to kind of like that shouldn't be there. Uh, how are you feeling with this one, Darvel? Oh, it's a definite buy for me as well. No way was I going to do anything less than buy this one. It's it's really surprising me this season just how many buys and everything are coming along this line. Like it's... It's such a, you know, at the end of the day, as I keep saying, a meh, a Grace Foster season, but like still, like you still got a solid run of episodes coming in this episode. So, in this season. Yeah. So, uh, I've got this at 57 out of 102. That includes ranking next week as well. So, um, yeah, like smack bang in the middle, really. So I think kind of, again, we've got one episode in the top 10. Another episode in a couple of weeks may crack that top 10. I'm not sure. Like, at the end of the day, we're not going to have these outstanding episodes that we're going to be talking about as being, you know, the greatest episodes of Thirch all the time. But we've only really got, at least in my opinion, one bad episode this season. Um, so, yeah. mind you, though, coming the final few episodes of this season, I think, kind of, at least off the top of my head, do diminishing quality. I, I'm not a fan of the finale. So, um, yeah, like, we've still got plenty of time to go down the toilet yet. Anyway, yeah. um, <laughs> next couple of weeks, next couple of weeks we're not, uh, because next week, Blessed and Bewildered, nah. it's a, it's a fairly decent episode. Again, it's, um, I think a, a nice episode when it comes to, uh, Carlos and his family. I think kind of we've got another potential top five in this episode. Um, We've got some more of the Ali Nardo stuff, which, look, I'll be honest, I've never been a fan of the Ali Nardo stuff. It kind of, yeah, it's okay. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't really like it either. And I, oh, sorry. no, 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 go ahead, go ahead. And, and I, and I'll say this, I'll expand on this more when we get to episode 15, but I, I felt it was especially out of place in that episode. Oh, a hundred, hundred, could not agree anymore. Like, absolutely agree. It's, it's again an element of, we can never have a paramedic or firefighter episode by itself anymore. We always have to have some form of cop element in it. So, uh, yeah, 100% agree. I think if you're going to do what you do in episode 15 with Alinado, save it to episode 16 or save it, put it, you know, put it all in the one episode, you know, because, yeah, I yeah. could not agree more. Um, but yeah, and we get some interesting doc stuff happening. Like next week's kind of just a really, a, a real precursor. And I, I would definitely uh, say to people who watch next week to watch episode 15 straight away because I think they make, they complement each other. Like they're not uh, like a two-parter. 
but I still think that to really understand what's happening with Doc, you need to kind of watch episode 15 straight away. So, yeah. That's just how I would probably do it. But yeah, that's Bless and Bewilder next week. In the meantime, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe, all the relevant things. You know what to do. We appreciate all your support. And uh, thank you very much, everyone, tuning in along the way uh, as we keep on chugging on through uh, Third Watch as uh, we get very close to the end. But we're still enjoying it all the way. Uh, my name is Ben, and you're putting words in my mouth. <laughs> My name's Darville, and although I have no closing quote for this episode, I will say, hey, again, thanks for listening, and we will see you next week, guys. Later. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.